uh, I wanted to share with you a poster that it, my, my sister Mary Ann sent me via email. And it was a poster that appeared in a church in France. Right? So this is what it said. It said, when you enter this church, it may be possible that you hear the call of God. However, it is unlikely that he will call you on your mobile. Thank you for turning off your phone. If you want to talk to God, enter, choose a quiet place and talk to him. If you want to see him, send him a text message while you're driving. It's from my granddaughter, I think she's sharing when she's driving around. Uh, would you open your Bible to Luke 5? I'd like to thank um, my sister Marianne for sending that to me. Maybe someday she'll come and visit us. That'd be fun. Luke chapter 5. I want to look at something today that uh, you may have read before, but not maybe at this depth. So we're going to begin at Luke chapter 5, verse 1. And it said, One day, as Jesus was standing on the lake of Gennesaret, or Lake Galilee, as we would say, Lake Galilee, the people were crowded around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Why were they washing their nets? Because they'd been out fishing all night. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, which we'll find on Simon Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon responded, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you have said so, I will let down the nets. I found this most interesting. He said, because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, <laughs> do you sense a little bit of, of um, all right, because you ask, I will do it. From Peter, from Simon here, Simon Peter. He, he, he's kinda, you kind of kind of catch a little bit how he's kind of, all right, okay. Because people already knew about Jesus' ministry, he was already, this, was, this didn't happen immediately after he was baptized. So they already knew about him. And as he was talking to these fishermen on the shore, they knew about his ministry as he was going. He was quite popular. People were gathered around to hear him teach. But the reality was that uh, Jesus wasn't a veteran fisherman. He was a carpenter. Simon was the veteran fisherman. Many years out on Lake Galilee. <laughs> and here comes a carpenter. <laughs> now, now, put out your boat here, go out during the daytime. They didn't fish Lake Galilee during the daytime, and the reason they didn't is because the fish would see the nets. So they fished at night. When we saw this, John, we saw the boats coming in in the morning. I don't know if you saw that, coming off Lake Galilee. In the morning, from their fishing. They've been out at night. They also may have been somewhat concerned because John the Baptist, at this time we're not sure if he was actually in jail or if he had been 
executed by this time, but they already knew about John the Baptist. They knew about the preaching that had taken place, and they already knew the attitude of the Pharisees towards Jesus. So, so this kind of thing, master, when he said master, wasn't his term here was not that he recognized him as we would say master and lord. He would say, well, this is just a term of saying, I recognize that you have something special about you. And so when they had done this, the Bible says, and when they had done so, they caught a large number of fish when they went back out. When they went out, out there, they put their nets down so much that the nets began to break and fall apart. And so they signaled to their partners in the other boat, one of the two boats, and to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. And when Simon saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Now, I like to picture him. He's at his, uh, Jesus' knees. He's there. That maybe he grabbed on to Jesus. I don't know. But he recognized something about him. Now, think about this just a little bit. Why didn't they catch fish all night long? But during the day, they had caught over two boatfuls full of fish. Could it be? From the story, could it be that the Lord had intervened so they didn't catch any fish at night? And then, in the morning, loaded their nets full up. The carpenter saw fish. And it was such a surprise to Peter, the veteran fisherman, because they never had this experience before. They never knew this was going to happen. And all of a sudden, he realized, something about this man is significant. Something about him. Verse 9, For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. So, and so um, were James and John and the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. So, Simon had one boat. We'll look at this in just a minute. Simon was a leader of the boating company. Simon was a natural leader, and he became a leader among the disciples. And so he was, he was the leader of this fishing company. And so then Jesus said to him, Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Bingo, there is the calling. There is the calling. Isn't it fascinating how the call comes. Call of Christ. If each one of us were to sit and chat together, we would hear different stories about how we responded to the call of Christ. We would hear different ways, different paths when it came. I remember exactly when it came in my life. And it happened more than one time. So, so they pulled their boats up, the Bible says. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Would you do that? Would you do that? You're out fishing, got all your business. Come follow me. They pulled the boats up, said we're done. 
there were four fishermen. It was Simon, Simon Peter, his brother Andrew. And then in the other boat was James and John. Now, Matthew lists, when he lists the story, he lists that Simon and Andrew were as, as one crew, and that James and John, with their father, as the, uh, another crew, the two. So there were the two boats, the five of them together, out fishing. So the four of them, fishermen, when Jesus said, come, they pulled their boats up, and that was it. Would you do that? Would you do that? Well, there's, there's more to this than they left everything. There's, there's more to this than just, ah, uh, we're following that. This was bathed in the history and the educational system of Israel. And so what happened was, in actual, when you received an invitation from a rabbi to be his follower or his disciple, this was like you've been invited into Harvard University. Because there was a system, and the system of education, they didn't educate the girls, the system of education was the boys. The boys would come along, and when they reached a certain age, elementary school was that you memorized, you memorized the first five books of the Bible. And after you had memorized that, then you could go on to secondary, or high school, as you call, and you memorized the rest of the Old Testament. You recognized the whole book. Then if you were really a good student and had proved yourself, then you were hoping that a rabbi would ask you to come and be their disciple, which means you would go on to higher training, higher prestige, higher salary, higher um, education. You would go and learn from the esteemed rabbi. Now already Jesus was known as a rabbi. He was already known for his teaching. Even though, because he spoke as, the Bible says, it spoke as uh, one who had authority. Yeah? One who knew more than the scribes and the Pharisees. So Jesus came along and he said to follow. So when they left, this was their golden opportunity to follow a rabbi. This was, they had never, they were fishermen. They had not been chosen. And now a rabbi who everybody was all excited about and talking about, they were going to follow him. And so they picked up and said, you bet, this is my chance. And they went. Because a discipler, a disciple is a follower, but more just a follower, he's also a student who learns from the teacher. There, there's an implication more than just a follower. Now this morning, so I would like to think about, as they picked up, they pulled up, they set their business aside, forget it, forget the boats, forget the fishing. We're going off to be, uh, follow the rabbi, disciples. That there is a cost. <coughs> there is a cost to following Jesus. There's a cost to anything, isn't there? Something costs something. It, it costs something from you. So we're going to jump over to the Gospel of John, chapter 6. If you would turn there, Gospel of John, chapter 6. In chapter 6 of John, there's a discussion of Jesus as he's talking about being the bread of life and eating 
the bread of life. There's this discussion going on. And many of the Jews are upset about this. Let's skip down to verse 52. John 6, verse 52. And then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. Who is this man who gives us his flesh to eat? Gives us his flesh. We're not cannibals. They said, we don't eat other humans. Who's saying, you have to eat my flesh? And Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now, we can look back and understand that we do that when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We understand that that understanding of the, and eating the bread and drinking the grape juice, uh, when we do that and sharing with that, there's more to it than just eating, isn't it? Because we only get a small sample. But it, it means more to us because we're saying, we're, in, we're going we're participating with Christ as a follower. We're participating in wherever Christ would lead us and in his suffering and death. We are part of that, following that. So it, it implies more. But at that day, here Jesus is introducing this, eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And whoever eats my flesh and uh, dr drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day, Jesus said. For the flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them, Jesus said. Just as living, uh, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread, Jesus said, that comes down from heaven. Now your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever, Jesus said. Now he said this while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. John, you've been there. You've been in that synagogue. I was right where Jesus was talking. He was teaching with them. And on hearing this, notice, on hearing this, many of his disciples, many of the followers that were there, this is hard teaching. Who can accept it? They weren't sure they wanted to pay the price. They weren't sure that they wanted to give that commitment. They understood that Jesus was calling them to do something. He really wasn't getting They're kind of using this as an excuse. He really wasn't trying to say, eat my flesh and drink. Well, he really wasn't saying that. They understood that. But they knew it meant more than just going around and listening to him preach and hoping he hands out food. It was more than that. And they weren't sure they wanted to follow that. And so Jesus responded, aware of this, that his disciples were scrum, uh, grumbling about this. Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Does this offend you? Are, you? are you holding back now? Are you holding back? And then what you see the Son of Man ascend into heaven where he was before. Because the Spirit gives life, the Bible says. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are um, full of the Spirit and life. Yet, Jesus said, there are some of you who do not believe. Now, it's interesting that Luke goes on to make this, I mean, John goes on to make this comment. 
in the next verse because Jesus could have been talking about there are lots who are not believing. But for Jesus had known for the beginning, um, from the beginning, which, excuse me, Jesus, for Jesus had known uh, for the beginning, from, it should say from the beginning, uh, which of them did not believe and who would betray him, knew that. And he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father enables them. And then something happened. And from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. The price was too high. Jesus sensing this moment and watching this crowd dispersing, leaving. And the 12 are sitting there watching this. Jesus turns around and says to them, you do not want to leave me too, do you? He asks the 12. Jesus would not have asked it if he didn't know they were thinking it. They were thinking it. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to... I don't know if I'm going to hang in here with this. I don't know. Look at everybody else's. A lot of people are leaving. and That was really a hard teaching. And I, don't know if I, I don't know if I'm into this that far. If you read the Gospels very carefully, you'll find that Jesus actually called his disciples twice. They, they were with him and they kind of left and he had to go back and regather them again. And then after his resurrection, they were supposed to be in Jerusalem. Where did he find them? Out fishing. They went back to their nets and he had to go get them again. Is Jesus calling you? In our Adventist system of pastoral moves, and we say that uh, if you get an invitation to go to a church somewhere else, we say, you got a call. Um, sometimes they'll say, well, they're just interested to see if you might be interested to see if it's a match but <clears throat> when you get the call it's the official invitation for you to go to a different church and then you have to decide whether you're going to go or not make that calling am i going to sell my home am i going to move my family am i going to move all my stuff to a new place start at a new church all over again and ground am i going to do that that kind of decision But perhaps you're being called. And if he's calling you, how would that look? What would that be like to be called? I bet if you would listen, you would find out he is calling you. No matter how old you are. Marianne's birthday today, she told me she's celebrating her 29th birthday today. He may be calling her. 
listening to what God would call you to do. And I came here, I came to retire, as you know. <laughs> came to retire, sitting in the pew, in this wonderful church, minding my own business. The call came. The call came. But we all have to weigh, is it worth it? All right, what happened? I'll try this again. Okay, is it worth it? Is the acceptance of the call of Christ worth it? And we have to weigh it. Decide. Disciples had to weigh it. And when they decided it was worth it, when they finally, in their minds, decided it was worth it, it really wasn't until after the resurrection. Yeah, they hung in with him. They followed him. They went through all kinds of things. But it wasn't until after the resurrection, when they saw you, they said, oh, we understand. Now it is worth it. And they followed him, many of them, to their deaths. So there's a cost, you see. They said it was supreme. What would be the benefit for you? What would be that benefit? Well, some say, well, well, we'll have heaven, eternal life. It's true. That'd be great. Live forever, wouldn't it? None of us look forward to say, oh, I can't wait to die. We want to live. So, what would be beyond Living forever, yeah, that would be a plus. You know, as a child, as it, you know, it's taught when you go to heaven, you're going to be able to pet the animals and have things. It would be wonderful to be there. True. And play a harp, I was told. Not so sure I want that, but anyway, that would be a benefit. So what, what is there to gain here? reality is what we gain is being with Jesus forever our friend our redeemer that's really the purpose of going to heaven is to be with him the one who loved you the one who died for you that is the ultimate prize to be with the one who who gave everything for you. Yes, when you're in the kingdom of heaven, when we're there with him, yes, there are all the benefits that are there that go with that, which will be, we can't describe because we don't have any idea what God has intended for us, the Bible says. But the thing we do have is that we'll be with our Lord and with our Savior. Lord, I thank you for the calling of these disciples and the example they gave to us. It is amazing to me that they did that. So, Father, I ask that as we go, as we listen and as we follow you, that you will help us to see the beauty and the wonder. Maybe you are calling us to something right now. You certainly are calling us to follow you. But we have no idea what, what may be in store for us. Even if we're young or old, you continue to call us into your ministry and to follow you. Lord, I ask you, bless us as we do that. Help us. Be sure that we can follow you completely in Jesus' precious name. Amen.